I can't think of any reason why freaking out because of something that's completely outside of your control is going to make the situation better. Not freaking out, relaxing, going with the flow may not make the situation better either, but it's probably not going to make the situation worse. Episode 715 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip, lessons learned from the Boston Marathon. Hey guys, uh, real quick, today's episode of the show is brought to you by the folks and my friends up at the Seven Bridges Marathon. If you want to run the race that I ran last fall in Chattanooga, Tennessee in the fall, um, you know, as, as much as you can't guarantee weather, it's, it's odds are a beautiful time of year to be in a, a really cool city that I'd never visited before until last year, driven through it several times, but actually, you know, stopped and checked it out and walked around and, and enjoyed a bit of the city. Um, definitely would encourage you to check out sevenbridgesmarathon.com. That's the number seven, the number seven bridgesmarathon.com. There's a half marathon. There's also a 5k there. And if you use the code DizRuns at checkout, you save, uh, I believe it's 10% on any race that you register for. So check it out. Uh, if you have any questions about the race, if you missed my, my review, you can go back through your feed and find that, uh, or else just ask me, ask me what, uh, what my take was on the race. Um, I thought I was pretty, pretty honest and pretty fair in my review. It's, it's a good race overall. Definitely would, would encourage it. Definitely would recommend it. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's a cool city. So if you can plan, you know, a little, uh, long weekend, maybe a little long weekend getaway and, uh, spend a little time walking around, biking around in Chattanooga uh, I bet you're going to have fun. So check it out. Seven bridges, marathon.com. Use the code Dizruns at checkout to save yourself uh, a few bucks on your registration. So today talking about another marathon, not, not, uh, not, no, uh, disrespect to, uh, the folks at seven bridges marathon, but, uh, Boston marathon, a little bit bigger deal, a little bit bigger deal than the seven bridges marathon. And is this, uh, as I guess has kind of become, tradition, I, I guess. Um, the, uh, the, the quick tip following the Boston marathon, offering some takeaways, some lessons learned, some things that, uh, you know, maybe we will never know what it's like to run in the elite field. I'm going to say probably most of us will never know what it's like to run in the elite field of a race, especially a race like the Boston marathon. That said, watching the elites watching the, some of the best runners in the world, the best men, the best women doing their thing out there on the course. Um, there are some things that we can learn. Now, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression that just because the elites do it, we should do it. Um, that's, that's definitely not the case uh, as, as we'll talk about as we get through a couple of these takeaways today. But I think that there are always some things that we can learn and then probably have to modify a little bit adjust down, scale down a little bit so that we can, us mortals, us quote unquote human runners can learn from some of the more superhuman can, can learn, uh, and, and imply, uh, and apply those lessons and hopefully help us improve our race day performance, our training performance, whatever the case may be. So if you watch the race on Monday, like I'm sure most of you probably did, whether you, you know, I know some people tend to take the day off. Some people, uh, you know, are sneaking, sneaking the phone and, and download the app and, and are trying to sneak it, uh, during, during the workday. Um, thankfully for me, I just set the, set the iPad right next to the computer, dial up the, dial up the, uh, the live stream and watch it while I'm, uh, you know, quote unquote working. It certainly was, was still working, but, uh, definitely had half an eye on the iPad all day watching the race unfold. If you watched it and were able to, to, you know, witness the men's race, men's race, the women's race, the wheelchair races, even 
there are some things that you can probably take away, some lessons learned. So I, of course, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you. If you had any uh, takeaways from watching this year's Boston Marathon, especially if there's something that I don't mention in uh, the five that I'm going to go over here real quick, I would love to know what you learned from the race. What was something that you got from watching literally the best, some of the best runners in the world running uh, what is arguably the most iconic or one of the most iconic races in the world. So my top five takeaways uh, in no particular order, although they are going to kind of build to uh, to the last one, I think. Um, first one, something that's that's not new. It's, it's something we've talked about before, and that is that you can't control the weather. Now, if you just tuned in to the race, you may not have gotten the full, the full story on how the weather impacted this year's Boston Marathon. Meaning if you just tuned in to watch the elites, which is basically what was on, on TV, um, the weather, the weather played a factor this year, you know? And, and if you, if you think back to the last couple of years, it seems like the weather always has played a factor. You know, a couple of years ago, it was really hot last year. It was cold, windy, rainy, just nasty. Uh, this year it was a little bit of all of the above. It was hot. It was cold. It was windy. It was rainy. There was thunderstorms. Uh, there were all the things going on and you, try as we might, you just can't control the weather. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's annoying. It's obnoxious. Uh, it can be frustrating as all hell when you have a great training cycle and then the weather just is not doing you any favors on race day and you end up with a performance that is probably not anywhere near as indicative of the training, that the dedication, the time you put into it, but there's nothing we can do to control the weather. So that leads right into my, my second takeaway is that you, you have to learn to go with the flow. And I know that there's a lot of you uh, listening that are, that are very much type a that uh, you know, you, you, you have your, your plan, you have your schedule, you have your routine and come hell or high water, you want to stick with it. And I, and I get it. I mean, I, how many times have I talked about my routine and how much I love my routine and, and really benefit from having a routine? Um, that said, there's a time when you got to just throw, throw the routine out the window and go with the flow. And at a, at a big race like Boston, like Chicago, like New York, where, where things, you know, where there's tens of thousands of people and there's logistics and it's kind of a logistical nightmare, you kind of have to go with the flow. And that ties into exactly what the weather did this year, um, in, in a few different ways. One, um, you know, I got, I got a little extra taste of this this year because I, I had for the first time, one of my athletes, one of the Diz runners, um, that is it, you know, is and was an, an active, an active client right now ran the race. All right. I've had some folks that have trained with me before and, and left for one reason or another that have ran the race or have run the race before they started working with me. But this is the first time that like, I was seriously invested in the process leading up to the race with somebody that I was working with. And from what, from what she told me, um, and obviously she's following the weather much closer than I was. The weather forecast was all over the map rolling up to the race. Um, you know, one day it looked like it was going to be good. And then the next day it looked like it was going to be hot. And the next day it looked like it was going to be nasty, cold, windy, rainy thunderstorms the whole way. Um, and she was running as a, as a charity runner. So she was getting updates from the charity that she was running with. And they're, they're, you know, in my opinion, from the, the emails that she forwarded me and the, and the conversations that we had, they were kind of blowing it out of, out of proportion a little bit about how calamitous the weather might possibly be, especially, three or four days out. Now I'm a pretty laid back dude, which helps me in this type of situation in the, in the go with the flow situation. I've learned 
that just because the weather forecast four days out, five days out, six days out says something doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the weather is going to ultimately end up being. Okay. Weather, weather changes, changes quickly. Um, and so even, even a day before it's, it's a little tough to know exactly what's going to happen. Obviously the closer you get, the better the idea becomes. So I say all that to say this, if you're looking at the weather forecast several days out, try not to freak out just yet. Um, and, and I know that that can be tough, especially if you're traveling to an out of town race, you're not sure what clothes to bring. Here's a little pro tip. And here's, here's what, what I did with, with my one athlete. I encourage her to just take everything, take everything that she might need. If it's the worst case scenario, as far as what's the coldest possible temperature that they've been talking about, what's the worst weather conditions as far as rain, wind, whatever. If it is that, what are the things that you're going to want to have with you? Take all those things. But on the flip side, what if it's not that bad? What if it's warm? What if it's hot? What if it's humid? What if the storm passes, passes through and race day ends up looking pretty decent? What are you going to want there? Shorts, singlet, tank top, t-shirt, what, whatever you would want. Hat, sunglasses, all of those things. Take it all. Take it all. Yes, odds are you're going to be overpacked. Odds are you're going to have some things you're not going to need. But better to have and not need than need and not have. So, you know, when it comes to weather, go with the flow. When it comes to race day logistics, go with the flow. Again, the weather this year kind of jacked up the travel to Boston. If, if you know a little bit, and I just barely know a little bit, but how it works, you know, most people stay, their hotels are in the, in the city. Um, and then, you know, they get in the bus and they get in a shuttle and it takes them out to Hopkinton to the start of the race. Now, from what I've heard in the past, typically what ends up happening is you, you get in the bus, you shuttle out and you're there a couple, three hours early, just kind of hanging out runner's village, whatever the case might be. Well, that was starting to be the plan this year. And the weather was so bad that was passing through before the race started that literally they stopped the buses. They pulled the buses off the road, tried to get them sheltered from the, the wind and the lightning and the craziness. Buses that hadn't left yet were told to hold, hold where they were. Don't leave at all. Obviously, that's quite the curveball from what most runners were expecting. I'm sure that more than a few people were freaking out. Got to just go with the flow. Got to just go with the flow. Easier said than done for a lot of folks. I get it. But in, in all of these situations that are outside of your control, weather, logistics, security, um, other runners, whatever the case might be, I can't, maybe there's one out there, but I can't think of a single situation where like freaking out and losing your shit is going to make the situation any better. Okay. Maybe there's one. If there is, let me know. So I can, I can retract that statement. And uh, the next time I talk about this, I can say, well, but in this one situation, you know, you may want to stress out about it, but for the most part, and like I said, from any, every situation, every angle that I can think of it from, I can't think of any reason why freaking out because of something that's completely outside of your control is going to make the situation better, (laughs) not freaking out, relaxing, going with the flow may not make the situation better either. But it's probably not going to make the situation worse. And freaking out probably is going to make it worse. So, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, the weather, you can't control the weather. When it comes to other things you can't control and also including the weather, try to just go with the flow. Another takeaway from the 2019 Boston Marathon. Sometimes you got to just take a risk. Have a, make a bold move. Um, obviously, if you watched the race or read much about it, 
You can probably guess that I'm talking about the, the women's champion here, uh, Worknish Degefa. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, but, but she made her move, you know, some four or five miles into the race, into a 26-mile race. She made her move. She left the pack. She took off. She kind of pulled the, the Meb move from a few years ago. Um, so she took off. And, and what, I, what I got from watching the, the race unfold and from listening to the, the coverage is all, all the announcers just kind of thought she was a little bit crazy, that, that she was making her move way too early and that this was going to come back to haunt her. You know, they kept talking about how she'd never run Boston before. She'd never even seen the course. She didn't want to see the course. They talked about how she's only run one other marathon, and it was in in the United Arab Emirates uh, uh, the last the last uh, you know s- several months ago, three three or four months ago. She ran the race. She won it. She had a great race, but that one's a flat a flat 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 course, no elevation. Obviously, we know there's some elevation going on in Boston. There's there's the Heartbreak Hills. There's all the downhill from the beginning. There's there's all kinds of elevation changes when it comes to Boston. So. It really sounded like, without without the announcer saying that she's foolish for making her move this early, it sounded like they were saying that she was foolish for making her move that early. They kept waiting for somebody to catch her. They kept waiting for her to fade back and the pack to catch up with her and ultimately you know, her to, to, to finish something not first because of that strategy that she took out. Obviously, it worked. Now, if you watch the race, you might think that, like I do, that if there was another half a mile to a mile of that course, if, if, the, if the marathon was 27 miles instead of 26.2... She might have gotten caught, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the race was if the race was only you know twenty five miles. It wouldn't have even been close, right? So she raced the she raced a great race. She made a bold move. She went for it. It could it have blown up in her face, and she crashed and burned and finished you know sixth or eighth or tenth or whatever. Of course, of course. But she she went for the win instead of playing it safe. Instead of setting back and and and. Um, you know, not taking any risk. She took a risk. Sometimes the risk pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. How does that translate to us? Well, sometimes we've got to take a risk, especially on, on race day. Maybe you're going for a big PR. Maybe you're, you're, you know, trying to get to a Boston qualifier. Maybe you're, um, trying to stay ahead of the cutoffs, whatever it might be. Maybe you're stepping out to a new distance, getting out on a trail for the first time, whatever. We don't want to take foolish risks. We don't want to take, um, uncalculated risks. I guarantee you that, that she knew what her fitness was. She knew what she was getting herself into. Now that doesn't mean it was going to work out successfully, but she, she knew that this was a calculated risk. If I go now, I might be able to build up a big enough lead that even if I fade a little bit, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stay out in front and finish the race and win, which is what she did. Same thing for us. When, when we're going for a big, a big PR, a new time barrier to break through a new race distance, whatever the case might be, there may come a point that in order to, to really achieve our goals, we've got to make, make a bold move. We've got to, we've got to try something that, you know, is equal parts. This could either go really well or it could go really bad. I'm not saying to always take that risk, but I'm saying that sometimes it's, you've got to, you've got to risk having a bad race to potentially have a great race. Sometimes that's, you've got to weigh that decision, make that choice. And sometimes, sometimes, it's worth making a bold move and seeing what happens. Now, how about the men's race? Boy, that finish, right? That, oh, man, that finish was incredible. The three-man basically sprint for the last uh, half mile or so, last mile, just the three-man pack of, of breakaway and, and really, I mean, a legit sprint to the finish for the last you know several hundred yards. Um, I feel like there were two lessons from that aspect of the race, from that side of the race that, that, that we watched unfold. One maybe a little bit more 
uh, easy to miss than the other, but both very much related. So the, the two lessons from the, the finish of the men's race with the, the sprint at the end. Um, one, the first, first takeaway, it's kind of important to be able to finish str- strong on a long race with tired legs. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a vital thing when, when you're ready to, to kick to the finish line, when, when you're, you know, we, while none of us may ever be in a neck and neck race like that to, to win a marathon, let alone to win the Boston marathon, we've all been in, in situations, or if you keep running long enough, you'll probably be in a situation where you look down at your watch and go, Oh snap. Like if, if I go, I can get a PR, I can, I can really blow it out of the water or whatever it is, but I got to go. All right. So when you, when you're in that situation and it's, it's time to go for the last, you know, quarter mile, half a mile to get to the finish line of a half marathon, marathon, whatever your legs are tired, your legs are heavy. You've been running for two hours, three hours, four hours, five, whatever it is, you've been running for a long time. Legs are tired. And now you want to go. Now you want to go. So how do we prepare for that? How do we prepare for that? Now, now the simple answer, what you're probably thinking is just speed workouts, doing some speed training. That's, that's going to help you. I'm not so sure I believe that. Um, I'm, now, to be clear, I'm not trying to talk bad about speed work. Speed work is, is important, and there's lots of lessons and, and reasons for doing that, which we can get into that another time. But I'm just not quite convinced that doing whatever, 4, 8, 10 by 400, Yasso 800s, whatever, I'm not convinced that doing some all-out speed work on basically fresh legs translates directly to getting your feet to go, getting your legs to turn over in the last quarter mile of a marathon. Now, I know, I, yes, I know, I hear you, that, you know, yeah, maybe that's not the case for the first of the repeats, but you get to the last of those repeats. You get to the 10th the 400 meters, and if you're doing it right, you're pretty, you're pretty tired. You know, you, you're, that's, that you're not feeling fresh as a daisy at that point and getting the legs to turn over is a chore. Yes, I get it. But the end of that workout is not quite the same as how, how your legs feel at the end of a half or full or whatever distance that you're racing. And don't tell me that it is because you know, you, you, you don't take several days off at the end of a, of a 400 meter workout or an 800 meter workout like you do at the end of a good hard marathon. Okay. Because the, the fatigue is not quite the same. So I think that, that my recommendation, what I've seen that really seems to, to serve me well, and I think it's, it's really been serving some of my athletes well as, as well, is that a workout that we should all include anybody who's aiming for a good time goal, who's aiming for a time goal, I guess. Maybe I don't mean to quantify good, bad, whatever. If you have a time goal in mind that you want to be able to finish a race strong, I think that one of, if not the most important workouts that you can do is the fast finish long run. What is the fast finish long run? I talk about it in the book. Just give you the quick, the quick synopsis here. It's to run the majority of your long run easy, but then pick up the last few miles and push it at race pace or faster. Okay. Now, maybe that means that you're running 10 miles easy and five miles pushing the pace for a fast finish. Maybe that's 15 miles easy and four miles, whatever it is, you know, fit it into your, your training, however you want. But that fast finish, man, it's valuable because even if you're not going faster than than race pace, and even if the easy miles were well below race pace, you're building up fatigue, you're building up, you're, you're burning off a lot of, of that, that, uh, 
that freshness from your legs, by the time you get to that fast finish, man, you know, it's a struggle to go hard. It's a struggle to push on, which is exactly what we're trying to do on race day, which is, it's, it's in my opinion, both professional and personal, it's the best way to simulate the end of a race is to do a fast finish long run. Now I'm not saying to do these every week, not by any stretch, just like I wouldn't recommend doing speed workout every run or every couple of runs or anything like that. Space it out, balance it in with your training. All right. Intelligently. And if you don't know how to do that, I know a guy that can help you. But I think that if you're, if you're working on trying to finish a race strong, whatever the distance might be, fast finish long runs need to become part of your, uh, your training. So I think that, that, you know, that's one takeaway from the, the men's sprint to the finish line. The other one that's a little bit easier to get lost in the shuffle is that you don't want to make your move too early. And, and I feel like, like a lot of us do this way too often. And, and if you watched the race on Monday, you noticed that DeCisa made his move, uh, I don't know, several hundred yards before the finish line. He took off. The pack kind of stayed with him, and it started to string out. And just, just Chirono was right there with him, right, right on, his, on his hip, basically. Or maybe not quite right on his hip. But he was, he was staying within striking distance. And DeCisa started to fade just a little bit. You know, 100 yards or so from the finish line, Chirona passed him. That was it. The race was over. All right? Um, you know, who knows exactly. And, 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 but from where I sit, it looks like DeCisa made his move a bit too early. Had he been just a little bit more patient? Had he waited just a little bit longer? Now, I don't know. Maybe he knows that Chirona is just a better sprinter than him anyway. So he tried to, to, to start things a bit earlier. I, I don't know. But I do know that for me, I've done this before where it's like I get to a certain point. Maybe it's, it's you know, mile 13 of a, of a half marathon. All right, just a tenth of a mile to go. It's time to go. Not so fast, my friends. I've done it on the marathon. I've done it in the 5K. All right, I'm at, I'm at three miles. Time to just drop the hammer. Even though I've already been dropping the hammer for the first two miles, but time to give it everything I've got. We need to be a little bit more patient before we get into our kick in most cases. When it comes to finishing a race, why? Because if you start to kick too early, you start to, you run out of gas too early and you really fade hard at the end and cost yourself some extra time. If you can be a little bit more patient, what I like to tell my athletes is to wait. And, and they've heard this before because <laughs> I've told tell every single one of them on race day, especially if they're planning to race hard, wait until you can see the finish line, see literally see the banner See the, the timing mats, see the clock, all of the things. Wait till you can physically see the finish line. That's when it's time to go for broke. Why? Because psychologically, when we can see the finish line, even if it's still a couple hundred yards out, but when you can see the finish line, it's going to help pull you in. If you start that kick too early, when, before you can see the finish line, mentally, psychologically, evolutionarily, whatever you want to call it, our bodies start to try to conserve a little bit because we don't know exactly how much farther we need to go. It's still kind of un- unknown where that finish line is. When you can see the finish line, it's not unknown anymore. You're get, you can see yourself getting closer to it. So you can just keep pushing. You can keep going. Even if, even if your, your tank is on empty, even if you're running on fumes, you're going to keep going because you can see that finish line. It almost pulls you into it. So when it comes to that kick at the, at the end, be patient, be patient. Hopefully you've done some training that's going to give you that extra boost. My, my view, the fast finish long run, that's probably the best bet. Mix a few, mix several of those in, in your training cycle, but stay patient. Don't go too early. Kick late, finish strong. When you can see the finish line, that's when it's time to go. All right. 
Last but not least, when it comes to takeaways from the 2019 Boston Marathon, uh, I think it was a good reminder that uh, you're not an elite runner, and neither am I. And so while we can learn from what we're watching, while we can learn from the stories of the elites, the training of the elites, the race strategy of the elites, we shouldn't just try to emulate it completely because we're not, we're not them. We're not them. And uh, there's two things that kind of stood out to me about this are two, two kind of things that uh, I think make sense for, for the elites to potentially do. I don't know that I, I am fully on board, but I can, I can see the reasons, but us, us mortals, no way, no way. So when they were introducing some of the, the runners, both the men and the women, the elites, you know, the announcers would talk about how so-and-so, you know, ran this race a couple of years ago and last year was injured and now, now they're back, you know, um, obviously injuries are part of our sport, but for the elites, they're pushing themselves at such a high level. They're on that razor's edge almost all the time of doing too much versus not doing enough, being in perfect peak condition. It's easy even for them to go a little too far and cause the body to break down. All right. So, so that's one area where what the elites do and what we do, probably not the best, uh, the best thing to, to emulate exactly. Another thing, and I don't know how true this is, but I saw an article somewhere in one of the Facebook groups, somebody posted something, not, not in mine, I don't think, and not, not in the tribe, I don't think, but, uh, maybe it was here too. I don't know. I've seen it in a few different places. It seemed like, but the article was something along the lines of an elite runner was, had, had like had a stress fracture diagnosis, or at least a stress fracture thought they had a stress fracture, but still decided to run the race anyway, despite doing that, despite having that diagnosis that something was, was definitely wrong in their body. Um, again, I'm not saying that that's a good thing for an elite runner to do, but I get it. I get it. This is how they're putting food on the table. This is how they're keeping the roof over their heads. This is how they're, they're making a living. And there's, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make a living. Something, you know, just like all of us, sometimes we have to burn the candle at both ends a little bit because work gets a little bit crazy. All right. This is the definition of work getting crazy for that, that runner. And whether the decision was good, bad, whatever, that's, that's really only for that, that one runner to, uh, to decide. I can see why making that decision might be in the moment, feel like the right decision. But for us, for you, for me, for us that, uh, you know, have plans and designs of running for the next 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 plus years, basically continue to run for the rest of our lives. We need to, to remember that it's not worth being on that razor's edge of perfectly trained or overtrained and injured, that it's not worth it. Even if it's a big race to know that something's wrong. And to show up on race day and try to just power through it anyway. Okay? Because even if even if that happens, we, we get to the finish line and, and still run a good race. Odds are, if, if you know that something's wrong, you're going to set yourself back months, if not more, by forcing yourself through that race than if you just pulled out of that one race. Recognize that there's going to be more races. You can probably run the same race again next year. Yes, you might eat the cost of the, the entry and some travel and things. And that sucks. I get it. But just because the elites do it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we should. Okay? Yes, there's lessons to learn from the elites. Yes, there's things that, 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 uh, that they do that we would be wise to learn from. 
but we need to keep in mind that this is their, that this is their job. This is their profession. This is what they do for a living. And so some of the things that they do, eh, probably we, we should avoid, probably we should make some different choices based on our situation. The fact that we're running because we love it because it's fun because it brings us joy. You know, the elites only have such a small window to really be competitive at the top of the world. Even if it's a five to 10 year window, it's still small. Our window of running races, enjoying the sport, hopefully for most of us, 30, 40, 50 years wide. So that one race, that one season, while it hurts in the moment to back off from it, to pull out from it, big picture, that's probably the right choice. That's probably the right choice. So those are my five takeaways from uh, watching the Boston Marathon this year. Five things that, um, you know, some things I think I probably already knew, but were good reminders. Some things that maybe I looked at from a little different perspective than usual or than I have in the past. Um, so five things that I'm going to remember from this race. Uh, you know, can't control the weather. Learn to go with the flow. Um, don't be afraid to make a bold move. Definitely make sure you're trying to finish strong and smart at the end of the race, preparing for that. And, uh, a good reminder that just because the elites do something doesn't mean that we should either. So that's my takeaways. What about you? What stood out to you both from maybe from, from my impressions of the race, but what stood out to you from your impression of watching the race? Let me know either or both at Diz Runs on Twitter, at Diz Runs on Instagram. Of course, you can shoot me an email, disruns at gmail.com. And if you head over to the show notes for today's episode, disruns.com slash 715. There's all kinds of memes in there. There's a couple of gifs. I think I did pretty good this time on the, uh, the meme and GIF front. I think most of the memes were new. Most of the GIFs have been recycled, but, uh, you know, whatever you can, you can come over, check it out. Judge for yourself in terms of the quality of the memes and GIFs this week, uh, disruns.com slash seven one five. So thank you guys for listening. I know this is a little bit longer quick tip than, uh, than even my usual long quick tips, but, uh, wanted to make sure to, you know, I mean, y'all know how I like, how I feel about the Boston marathon had to, had to cover it a little bit today. So I'll, I'll skip the ways to support me. You know how you can support me, spread the show, spread the word about the show, tell others about the show. That means a lot. And it really, really helps out. So, uh, until next time, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for all the shares and the loves and the tags and all of those things. I appreciate you guys so, so very much. So, uh, until next time, be well, take care. Thanks again for listening. And, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you.